It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. It is Friday, September 25th, 2009. Today we're going to do a Friday light version of Fighting for the Faith. Friday light. You never know, it might become a a regular feature here. I'm experimenting with some things. More details here in a minute. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chris Roseborough, and I'm your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which is to get you to think biblically, to get you to think critically, and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Yeah, that's you got to do that. God's Word is true, and when people contradict it, uh, well, the, they're liars. Um, yeah, that's what it comes down to. And so you've got to be careful. Jesus warns us in the last days, be sure that no one deceives you. And there's all kinds of opinions. There's no shortage of opinions running out around out there regarding who God is and what he's done and and, uh, what spirituality is all about and things like that. The problem is is that so many of these opinions are firmly planted in midair. They're not firmly grounded in the scriptures themselves. So doing what we got to do here is uh, to uh, compare what people are saying in the name of God to the word of God because uh, we want you to not be deceived. And by the way, I'm not exempt from this little exercise. In fact, uh, you are an advanced student of fighting for the faith when you are comparing what I'm saying in the name of God to the word of God. Well, as I said over at the uh, beginning of the program today, we're going to do a Friday light version. There's I get emails from people uh, from time to time basically saying, Dude, it, it it's very difficult for me to keep up with the uh, the program because sometimes you go two you go almost three hours long and then you you string you know four or five uh, episodes of Fighting for the Faith together, and it's like a marriage, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm I'm trying to mix things up a little bit. We're going to experiment with a Friday light version. That would be a shorter version of Fighting for the Faith, and we're going to focus on a singular topic. And it's not going to be a sermon review per se. However, uh, since uh, uh, Nightline has decided to weigh in on the Ten Commandments, that would be ABC's Nightline program, they, they're weighing in on the Ten Commandments. Um, last night, their, their first episode on the Ten Commandments asked the question, are we born to cheat? And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to review uh, ABC's Nightline in its entirety and um, and basically look at how this problem is set up, how we as Christians should be looking at this issue, and then listen to the Christians uh, who were uh, put forward on uh, to basically speak on behalf of uh, adultery, but not, well, not on behalf of it, but speak against it and maintain the biblical line uh, that adultery is a sin. And to see if, uh, again, I'm a little bit nervous uh, about how this went down because uh, I don't know if I heard the law preached lawfully, nor did I hear much about uh, the forgiveness of sins. But uh, we'll see how this all plays out. Ed Young Jr. uh, is the guy who is uh, representing Christianity, and this took place at his church, Fellowship Church, 
down there in Texas. So without any further ado, uh, we're going to dive into our Friday light version of Fighting for the Faith and dedicated to the singular topic of basically listening to and critiquing and comparing what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God as it pertains to the Nightline uh, Born to Cheat panelist face-off regarding uh, the sin of adultery. So here's, uh, here's Nightline. Ah, adultery in high places. From former President Bill Clinton, whose first inclination was not to fess up. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. To former New York Governor Elliot Spitzer, who did. I cannot allow my private failings to disrupt the people's work. Of course, there is the ongoing drama surrounding former presidential candidate John Edwards. I made a very serious mistake. I've been unfaithful to my wife. In South Carolina, the cheating governor has lost his wife, it seems, but not his office. Something I'm going to think about, pray about. It's not just men in politics, of course. Social scientists say adultery happens in all cultures, despite strong taboos against it. I've looked in 42 cultures. There's not a culture in the world that is not adulterous. And even birds, as a matter of fact. uh, Swans that mate for life. Yes. Adulterous? Apparently. Anthropologist Helen Fisher has studied and written about love, sex, and adultery for years. Statistics show, she says, that approximately one out of three married men and one out of four married women will cheat while they're married. So are human beings biologically programmed for monogamy? We are predisposed to eat meat. We're predisposed to uh, fear when and animals running towards us, and we probably are predisposed towards adultery. Predisposed towards adultery? Gotta stop there for a second. Okay. Part of what we do when we do discernment is you gotta look at how questions are are framed and then how, how those things end up, the information from the answers to those questions are then used. Are we predisposed to, uh, to have adultery? Well, according to this woman that's being interviewed on Nightline, apparently uh, she's making the claim. She says we are probably, she's not saying with any degree of certainty, probably predisposed for adultery, uh, non-monogamous uh, relationships. Now, see, what? how will people use this information? Well, we've already seen parallels to how this information is used uh, when we look at the issue of gay marriage and homosexuality. And uh, homosexuality now is not uh, somebody's choice. It's uh, you are homosexual by nature because you have a gay gene. At least that's the uh, the current status quo thinking regarding homosexuality. These people don't have a choice on being homosexual. That's the way they were made. That's their genetic disposition. So therefore, who is God? It's God who obviously made them that way, right? If you're genetically made to be homosexual, then God's the one who did that. Now we've got uh, somebody on Nightline, a major uh, news outlet, so to speak, uh, of the of the mainstream media, claiming that we are probably predisposed towards cheating. So what does that mean? Listen, listen, I can't be held accountable for uh, you know for committing adultery because. That's the way God made me. You see, I have the adultery gene. Some people have the gay gene. Why is it that uh, we're always talking about genetic dispositions when it comes to sex? 
um just just you know not you know not seeing um it, it just seems to me a little bit too convenient we uh, uh are particularly uh enjoying our sexual uh sins if you wouldn't and want to find some kind of a basis to get rid of that nagging guilt that uh, goes along with uh, committing uh, such sins H- here's the problem okay we have to keep in mind that human beings are not born morally neutral. We are not born good. We are not. We are born sinners. We are born by nature sinful and at war with God. And this is a result of Adam and Eve's sin and rebellion against God. Everybody who is related to Adam and Eve is by nature a child of wrath. We read... Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 3. And you once were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that would be Satan himself, and were uh, following Prince of the Power, and, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. So, the Christian response to when we hear some scientist making a claim that, that, that people are maybe genetically disposed, uh, predisposed towards adultery or predisposed towards homosexuality, is you don't make the connection and say, listen, well, that means that God made us this way. No. That if, if, even if they were to scientifically, definitively prove that somebody has the adultery gene, and I'm not saying that such a thing exists. This doesn't rattle our cages as Christians because we would then point to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 and say, yeah, makes perfect sense. It's a result of man's fall into sin. Okay. Also keep in mind the, the entire uh, food chain of death, if you would, um, that's also a result of our of, of man's fall into sin. Our sin has impacted the entire creation. And in the book of Isaiah, we get a picture of what the new heavens and new earth are going to be like. We find out that the lion is going to lay down with the lamb, that you know, the meat-eating um, uh, animals in the animal kingdom right now will end up becoming grass eaters. And it talks about, you know, in the new heaven and the new earth, and the new earth in particular, uh, that uh, small children will be able to play, it will basically reach their hand into the, uh, into the you know, the layer of a, of a very poisonous snake, and, and, and will be unharmed. The, that snake will not kill them. And so, uh, you know, y- you look at what's happened to humanity, and you look at what ha- has happened to the entire creation as a result of man's rebellion against God. It should not rattle us that you know that somebody scientifically would say, "Well, it looks like we have a predisposition predispos- towards adultery." The re- the Christian response is, "Oh, it's not just adultery. We have a complete genetic predisposition towards ulti- totally rebelling against God in all kinds of ways." And so we're, they might even find out that people have a, pre- a genetic disposition towards greed. 
Um, lying, it, it, the thing is, is that that doesn't let anybody off the hook. Now, see, it's interesting listening to these two people on Nightline discuss this scientifically and somehow trying to you know, understand this in light of the Ten Commandments, uh, where the commandment is so clear, thou shalt not commit adultery. That'll come into play here in a second. So we continue with our, uh, again, Friday light version of uh, Fighting for the Faith, dealing with just a singular issue. Everybody is. We're beginning to find some of the genetics that may contribute to adultery. Is it fair to say that it's easier for some people to be faithful than for others? I think it is. I do think that we're born with a different deck of cards and that some people are more susceptible to this than others. But this doesn't excuse them. We are animals that can um, say no to our heritage. The seventh commandment is unequivocal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But with so many people violating the commandment, is it still important? Or oh, man. With so many people violating the commandment, is it important? Now, what does this tell you? What's operating behind that question? Got to stop for a second. You saw, with so many people committing a, a adultery nowadays, is this commandment even important? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is. But see, what's the purpose of the commandment? That's the question that has to be asked. If you listen to how she's using it, basically, listen, you know, we're all, there's so many people committing adultery anymore. Obviously, this uh, commandment's passe, maybe. Maybe we need to rethink the commandment. Uh, why? Because uh, it, it just makes everybody out to be a sinner. That's the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to show us our sin. That's the primary purpose. Remember, the law has three purposes. First is a, is a curb. This is the uh, use given by the government, so to speak, to basically keep us from beating up on each other and stealing each other's stuff um, after we've bodily harmed each other. Um, the, the second use of the law is the primary use, and that is to show us our sinfulness, to show us how we do not measure up to the, com the, the righteous and just commands of a holy God, and it's to show us that we're sinners and to show us our need for a Savior. Third use of the law is only for Christians. It also shows us what a good work is. So uh, in the Seventh Commandment, when we hear, Thou shalt not commit adultery, okay? Uh, when you apply this, uh, when you apply this across the board with the different uses of the law, you can say that there, you know, that it's within uh, the government's best interest to, uh, to you know, to put laws in place that that would basically dissuade people from adultery because uh, society is basically built and progresses, and you know, the next generation comes about through the institution of marriage. You can almost look at it almost in a very secular kind of way that way. And so it's within the best interest of the state to uh, basically encourage and have healthy married relationships that produce children that are, that have become the workforce of the next generation and keep the country going, you know, you know, on in, you know, on in time. Second use of the law, thou shalt not commit adultery. It condemns those who have done that and shows them their need for a savior. And then the Christian use, the third use of the law, when the, the law says thou shalt not commit adultery, because we are regenerated through the preaching of the gospel, because we have our hearts of stone replaced with the heart of flesh, and you know we have been regenerated, we are new creations in Christ, we can look at the seventh commandment and almost apply it in a positive way. It shows 
shows us what a good work is. Ah, now that I'm regenerated and I love God and I fear and love and trust in him, I know that it's a good work and it's pleasing to my Father uh, in heaven uh, to remain faithful to my spouse and to and not just remain faithful uh, in, in a sense where, well, I haven't done the deed, but really fidelity is, is much more than just you haven't done the deed. If fidelity is, is one of, of committing yourself to and submitting yourself to your spouse and being, you know, if for you husbands out there, uh, we're to submit to our wives in the, in, in the sense that, uh, the, in the way, in the way that Christ loved the church, lay down our life for our wives. And so uh, saying that, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery, you know, focusing in on only the sexual deed is just really kind of missing the whole point. And which is exactly why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount points out that if you lust after another woman, that you've that you've already committed adultery in your heart, fidelity to your spouse is is fidelity in 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 all sorts of deep and meaningful ways and sex of course the you know is really a fruit of a healthy marriage a good sex life is the fruit of a good marriage and marriage is so much more than sex anyway we so we continue with nightline here relevant are we born to cheat we took the question and flew south to the heart of the Bible Belt and the Fellowship Church, just outside Dallas, as 3,000 people, mostly church members, gathered outside. Adultery's wrong. I mean, biblically it's wrong, spiritually it's wrong. And I don't see how you can support adultery. We brought together... <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, well, see, here's here you got these churchgoers at the Fellowship Church going, I don't see how you can support adultery. <laughs> well... Yeah, see, the thing is, is that we're all sinful by nature, and we just invent all kinds of uh, things uh, in, in support, just the worst kinds of things you can possibly think of. <clears throat> the four panelists, each of whom says they are happily married but have very different ideas about adultery. Evangelical minister Ed Young is our host. If you have a problem with the church talking about sex, let me tell you something, brother. You've got a problem with God. The head of the Fellowship Church here in... Oh, man. Oh. So apparently the reason why they picked Ed Young is because he is brave enough to have sermon series regarding sex. Remember all the... We, we played the uh, media exposure he had when he gave his so, so relevant seven-day sex challenge. Oh, boy. Why do I feel like he's not going to get law and gospel at all? Grapevine, Texas. He's preached and written extensively about the importance of sex in marriage. We gotta make time to make love. And recently encouraging all the married couples in his congregation to have sex for seven days in a row to see what happened. What do you hope to accomplish tonight? I hope to accomplish that God is pro-sex. That he thought it up. It was his idea. And he wants us to have the best sex possible. And that you see, the reason why you shouldn't commit adultery is because it's just not the best sex out there. That's kind of like, you know, second-rate or third-rate sex. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Just... In a marriage, one man, one woman, together. And I'm here to defend the institution of marriage. Jonathan Doherty is a recovering sex addict. It's about getting what I want. When I, it's very self-centered and self-serving. Who admits repeatedly cheating on his wife. 
I may have an encounter with somebody on a Monday, but boy, by Thursday, I want another encounter. And prostitutes are always available for a price. He and his wife are now back together, and they've started the Be Broken ministry, where he counsels others struggling with sexual addictions. I have been married to a man who I adore for 12 years, and for the past three years I have also uh, been in a relationship with a woman who I call my girlfriend, who I also adore. Jenny Block has written a book called Open, about her life and loves. Holy smokes. She says her open marriage and polyamorous lifestyle is not adultery. She says, now that, that, that was an important, she says that her polyamorous lifestyle is not adultery. Well, when did she get the uh, authority to define what a th a adultery is? She doesn't have that authority. She just kind of just picked that up herself and and see and here in America everyone's got an opinion. The problem is is that the 10 commandments are not a result of human opinion. The 10 commandments as we have them are the result of divine revelation. God revealed these commandments to us, and he's the one who says that uh, these commandments are, the, are to be obeyed. And uh, the, uh, so we continue. I'm ready for you, America. And finally, Noel Biederman, the CEO of AshleyMadison.com, who joined us from Toronto. You wear white, and you come in like a white knight. His website is designed as a place for married people to find someone to cheat with. Most of us can recover from a one-night stand with the wrong woman. He says he has four and a half million subscribers. <laughs> but not when it's every night for the rest of our lives. Their infamous tagline, life is short, have an affair. It's to cost a few shekels to build this place. Biederman says he thinks adultery can help preserve marriages. Hey, by the Japan's way, a great example. hang on a second here. Very high. He was uh, he was being chauffeured to uh, Fellowship Church, and his comment was, it, it took a few shekels to build this place. <sighs> uh, yeah, you know, that's interesting. First uh, first uh, response from a, basically a, you know, a very happy adulterous pagan, and that's the way we need to see him. Now, listen. Folks, I understand that, uh, you know, you might be sitting there going, I can't believe that there is a website out there that is designed specifically so that people can have affairs. Uh, go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We are by nature children of wrath. <laughs> we are by nature dead in trespasses and sins. Remember, cows moo, dogs bark sinners sin so what we have in the uh, it, it, with this ashley madison guy is basically what we should expect to see from an unrepentant unregenerate human being he's doing what seems right in his own eyes and his logic basically fits the logic of an unregenerate person who doesn't believe in God, doesn't fear love and trust in God. And so we should, I mean, in all reality, we shouldn't be shocked about this. But what's what's our job as Christians when it comes to men and, and women uh, such as this, these two people, you know, that are on the docket and basically pro-adultery? Call them to repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. So we have to preach the law to show them that the God who created them is not at all thrilled with their sin 
and they're sinning against him on all kinds of levels, not just on the level of adultery. I mean, that's all part and parcel of the whole package of being by nature at war with God and, and children of the devil and children of wrath, and called them to repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Why? Because just like us, we're sinners, by the way, all of us, me, you, everybody included, just like all of us who have received the gift of faith and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ, we don't want them to experience God's wrath because the scripture is clear that a day is coming when God will come in his great wrath and is going to put an end to all of this, all of this rebellion and disobedience against him, and he's going to establish a new heavens and a new earth, and he's going to separate all of the nations, all of humanity, into the into the sheep and the goats. Sheep are those who have been regenerated through the preaching of the gospel, have repented of their sins and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. They have thrown themselves at the mercy of God, knowing that they deserve God's wrath and are begging him for mercy, and knowing that he is that he has offered mercy. And it's not just, oh, okay, because I'm a nice guy, but because Christ has taken on our punishment in our place on the cross. We are to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins to all nations. And so this will be a perfect opportunity to point out the fact that this guy, in his ignorance of the of who the one true God is and what it is that he demands, is, uh, is re- absolutely rebelling against God, and God will hold him accountable for this, um, but that Christ died for those sins and that uh, even now he's calling him to repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. That's really what we should be hearing from the Christians on on the, the dais tonight, I just or today. I don't know if we're going to hear that. Infidelity rates, very low divorce rates. Okay, i got to back that up because uh, he's making a point about uh, folks in Japan. And uh, so here, let me here, uh, apologize for the redundancy, but I want you to hear this in context. For the rest of our lives. Their infamous tagline, life is short, have an affair. It's to cost a few shekels to build this place. Biederman says he thinks adultery can help preserve marriages. Japan is a great example. Very high infidelity rates, very low divorce rates. You see, Japan's a great example. See, they have high infidelity rates and low divorce rates. So if you want to get those divorce rates down, you need to have a lot of cheating going on. <laughs> That's twisted, the twisted logic of the world. And it's, you know, it shouldn't threaten us. Instead, we need to preach the truth into it. <sighs> show the doors open and the crowd floods in to find seats. Good evening. We're here at the Fellowship Church outside Dallas, Texas to debate a very touchy topic, adultery. The tension mounts as our panelists take their spots, ready to hash it all out. Thousands of people looking for the answer to one question. Are we born to cheat? Okay, so that's the, that's segment one. Uh, they're there to answer the question, are we born to cheat? <laughs> Already, uh, based on how the question is, basically how they frame this entire thing, I'm sure we're going to have all kinds of very creative uh, ideas bantied about. But keep in mind, the purpose of the law is to show us our sin and to show us our need of a Savior. Let's see if uh, Ed Young Jr. picks up on that little biblical factoid as he's there to, quote, defend 
marriage or sex within marriage and and, uh, against adultery. We're up on our first break, and uh, so uh, (laughs) we'll have to continue on the opposite side of of our break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard so far on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. Talk back at fightingforthefaith.com or ask to be my friend on Facebook, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there is Pirate Christian. We will be right back. Good in the sack is not the measure of true Christian sanctification. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> So the new pastor came in and shut down the Sunday school, Uh, canceled the adult Bible study, dumped the hymnals, sacked the choir, and put in a praise band and started preaching sermons that sound like they could be preached or done on Dr. Phil's program. It's awful. I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition. Nobody expects the purpose-driven inquisition. Our chief weapon is purpose. Purpose and vision. Vision and purpose are two weapons. Our purpose and vision. And ruthless relevance are three weapons. Our purpose, vision, and ruthless relevance in an almost fanatical devotion to Rick Warren are four weapons. Now, amongst our weaponry are such elements as purpose, vision. I'll I'll come in again. I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition. Nobody expects a purpose-driven inquisition. Amongst our weaponry are such diverse elements as purpose, vision, ruthless relevance, and almost fanatical devotion to Rick Warren and nice Hawaiian jerks. Oh, damn. I can't say it. You'll have to say it. Uh, what? You'll have to say what the bit about our chief weapons are. Uh, I, I couldn't do that. <clears throat> I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition. Nobody uh, expects. Uh, expects no. Nobody expects the um, purpose-driven inquisition. Uh, I, I know. I know. Nobody expects the purpose-driven inquisition. In fact, those who yeah, do chief ex- weapons are our chief weapons are um, purpose, uh, uh, vision. Okay. And- okay. Stop. Stop that. Stop that. Our chief weapons are purpose. Blah 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 blah. Youth pastor Rick. Read the charges. Dude, you're like hereby charged with being divisive and not following our program. That's enough! Now, how do you plead? Well, we're innocent. Ha! 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 We'll soon change your mind about that!
Orthodox Christianity clearly teaches God's law, which condemns our sinful nature, and clearly proclaims the gospel of Christ's death and resurrection on our behalf to pay for our sinfulness. These truths of Holy Scripture are timeless and objective. However, a creeping fog known as the emergent church threatens to unravel these clear teachings by redefining the vocabulary and core beliefs of the Christian faith in terms of subjective personal feelings and experiences. That is why Pirate Christian Radio is proud to offer The Emergent Church, Undefining Christianity, a book by Bob DeWay that is widely regarded as the best book available on the emergent heresy. The book is $12.95 plus $4 shipping and handling, and all proceeds directly support the Christ-centered ministry of Pirate Christian Radio. Log on today to piratechristianradio.com and order your copy of The Emergent Church, Undefining Christianity. All right, we're back. A Friday light version of Fighting for the Faith, kind of focusing in on just one topic today. The warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to become supremely dissatisfied with your church. I say that because I've received the emails from people, especially if your pastor isn't giving you the goods. What are the goods? Well, the goods is the good news, the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for all of your sins, not some of them. Salvation is not you and Jesus walking down the primrose path together. You do his your part. He does his part. No, not at all. Christianity is Christ doing it all for you and giving to you as a gift. Kid you not. Read your Bible if you don't believe me. All right, I need to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means uh, it's up to you. <laughs> we partner with you in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. We continue to put out quality programming that teaches law and gospel, proclaims repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. And as you uh, grow and uh, as as God has given you to be generous, uh, you support us so that we can continue bringing the program to you. You can support us financially a couple of ways. You can visit our website, www.fightingforthefaith.com. That's all one word. And when you're there, click on one of our friendly yellow donate buttons, and that will take you to a, a secure page where you can uh, you can send your uh, your gift in online securely in instantly, or if you'd like to do it the traditional way, we're all about tradition here. <laughs> Good tradition, not bad. Uh, you can uh, make your check payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. All right, we are... Um, <clears throat> We are in the middle of uh, basically doing one topic today, and that is it's a Friday light version of Fighting for the Faith, and we're talking about the Nightline uh, uh, Ten Commandments uh, basically series, and they started off with the question, are we born to cheat? They're talking about adultery, and so we're we're kind of picking apart that program and, and kind of ha- helping steer you in a biblical way of looking at what it is that you're hearing and seeing. Even comparing uh, what uh, Ed Young, who is one of the Christian representatives there on the dais, uh, to the Word of God. Now, something also to keep in mind, we've talked about the fact that we are by nature sinners and that we are by nature objects of God's wrath, children of the devil, and things like that. But we also read in Scripture that the uh, the law is written on our hearts. Um, we, we read um, Romans uh, 
Chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So, so when we, what we see here with these people who are defending adultery is that it, they're suppressing the truth because it, basically in their unrighteousness. The, rather, they don't want to come to grips with the fact that they've sinned grievously against a holy and just God. Um, and so what they're doing is they're suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools." And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in lusts of their hearts to impurity and to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women. They exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty uh, for their error. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Uh, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, mal maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, uh, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Uh, though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So, I mean, Romans 1, uh, Paul here is basically launching into an extended uh, theological argument showing that we are all sinners, and all of us know that what we're doing is wrong when we sin. And so, because God has written that law in our hearts, and it, what may be known about God is clear from the creation. And so, when we see these people on the dais, you know, basically supporting and promoting adultery, um, they're just basically, they've been given over to their passions. God has given them over their passions because they, they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So this is, you know, what, what we're seeing here is the fruit of their disobedience, the fruit of their idolatry, the fruit of their false religion, um, and uh, where it's taking them. Now, we as Christians, you got to understand, um, you know, our job isn't to make them more moral people. Um, our job is to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and the Holy Spirit will sanctify them and curb their sinful appetite and begin to mold them into the image of God, and they will bear fruit in keeping with repentance. But we have to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins to uh, folks like the ones we're hearing here on Nightline. All right, segment number two, we continue. Matthew 5.28. Uh-huh. Anyone who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery. Lust is a God-given desire that's gone haywire. You, you look at someone, you think, and you picture having sexual relations with, with that person. But you don't do anything about it. That's still adultery? Yes, it is. Helen Fisher says that if the standard is that lust is adultery, we're all in a heap of trouble. Okay, now stop. Oh, gosh, that's a great quote. Um, so she, you know, so the lady from Nightline is basically pulling up Jesus's standard. 
and basically say, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Uh, Ed Young has to hold the biblical line. He is a Christian pastor after all. And so he's holding the he's holding the biblical line. Is that adultery? Yes, it is. And then she, she this is a great quote that if if lust if is is the standard of adultery, then we're all in a heap of trouble. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's the point of the law. That being the case, we're all in a heap of trouble. What are we going to do? We're all sinners. But see, that, notice that that that. You know, she's still looking for a way, and this is the way people are wired to justify themselves based upon their behavior, which is one of the reasons why, you know, people try to compare themselves to others and say, listen, I'm not as evil as Joe over there because Joe, he, he cheated on his wife and, and, uh, and, you know, and he robbed a grocery store and now he's going to jail. See, I, I'm a much better person than Joe. Thing is, God's law says uh, well no you're not let's talk about let's talk about you now because joe isn't the standard of righteousness god is god's standard is the is the standard of righteousness the one revealed in 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 his holy law and we don't hate his holy law the problem is we don't keep it and so that it was a fantastic quote if if that's the standard of of adultery then we're all in a heap of trouble on the nose. Yes, exactly right. We're all in a heap of trouble because of a holy and just God who is going to become in his wrath because of this unrighteousness and this rebellion against him. Let me play that again and then we'll continue on. I just want to make sure that that quote is, is really well highlighted. But you don't do anything about it. That's still adultery? Yes, it is. Helen Fisher says that if the standard is that lust is adultery, we're all in a heap of trouble because it is part of the human animal to see others and have lustful feelings. What, what I would say to that is, I would say that we're not animals. And what's happened in our... Uh, Ed, oh man, you should have said yes, that's right. We're all in a heap of trouble because we're all sinners. And that's the point of, the, of this law is to show you... Uh. world today, we've... Um, What's, what's happened in our culture today is we've animalized humans and humanized animals. And too many people, too many people unknowingly, ignorantly say, you know what, we're just dogs in heat. We, we can't resist I it. I think that's minimizing what's in our DNA, right? I think that you can call it animals, but in the end, we're part of a kingdom. It's an animal kingdom. We're a species within it. And it's not in our DNA to be monogamous. That's just a fact. So there's Bitterman basically saying, oh, you're degrading the fact that we're all part of the animal kingdom. Again, this is him and his unrighteousness. Basically speaking, his own invented form of righteousness that we're all genetically disposed towards cheating. See someone who's very attractive, a man who's very appealing. No, Billy Graham said, the first look will not get you into trouble. It's that second and third look that'll mess you up. Okay, but that, I just want to be clear. So, you look at somebody, wow, he is something. Have I committed a sin yet? No. Okay, listen to the way she's asking the question. Have I committed a sin yet? What's behind that? She, she doesn't understand the purpose of the law. She's trying to find a way to make it so that she's she can somehow still maintain the thought, misguided, completely misguided thought, that she's a good person. Ah, uh, wow, I would like to sleep with that person. I'm not going to do it, but wow, that's, mm. Yeah. Am mm -hmm. I sinning now? Yes. <laughs> yes. Just want to be sure about yes, that. Yes, you are, because the way you... <laughs> I am so sorry, I came to Dallas. Yeah, we all, yeah, we... Okay, so 
she's not happy with that answer and um watch how she now is going to try to justify the this because she's already guilty of committing adultery if that's the standard right <laughs> but okay. we, we all failed in that in that realm all right hold it is this an honest audience you're honest right I- now this is an attempt to justify herself listen i want to see a show of hands who's ever had the thought i'm not saying you acted on it who's ever had the thought Every, uh, everybody's raising their hands. Right! Sinners! There's an applause line. See, see everybody raise their hands. See, you're all sinners. And everyone's kind of laughing and clapping. But that's... She's right. They're all sinners. And Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And he died on the cross... For the sins of sinners. <sighs> uh, frustrating to listen to this, knowing the proper distinction of law and gospel, but it's a good, great, great object lesson. You read any books about recharging your marriage, often they recommend that you think about other people. They recommend that you use other fantasies, that you look at pornography. I mean, you. Yeah, well, are these written by Christians? Is this from a. Again, you're in a church, lady. Um. So these books are some ha- supposed to have some kind of authority in a church? It's out. I mean, these are doctors and psychologists. These are people who study science and who say this who is... Who cares? They're human beings. And they don't get to set the standard. God does. How we can read... So I- I'm not even sure that it's something we should be overcoming. Next, we turn to the institution of marriage and Jenny Block. Remember, Jenny has a husband, a 10-year-old daughter, and a girlfriend. Is marriage a bad idea? I don't think it's a bad idea, but I think the way we've designed it, this Cinderella fairy tale happily ever after that 40% of people fail at and one out of three men cheat on, it doesn't work for everyone. I want to understand a little bit more. (laughs) Oh, man. It doesn't work for everybody. See, the problem is how it's been designed. But um, keep in mind, we humans didn't design marriage. It's not an institution developed by men or mankind. It is an institution created by God. ...about when adultery is being committed. Is emotional involvement without sex adultery? If I had to pick, I would rather have someone have sex with someone else and not tell me about it than be writing love notes all day long and telling them that you're the center of my universe, which is why I'm not sure that having sex, as long as your partner knows that you are, having sex with another person really qualifies as adultery. Well, you think the only thing that... Again, what's the problem there? She's the one trying to basically insert her own definition of adultery and somehow claim that that's the one that's right. But we don't get to vote on this. Uh, it's not for us to decide these things. God has spoken. It's wrong. Well, now, and actually, can I ask... <laughs> no, what she's suggesting is an open marriage doesn't necessarily qualify as adultery. And that's all right, a very well, valid all right. point. Does, does an open marriage qualify as adultery? Absolutely no, not. in fact, it's I would... consent. It's I can audience. consent. You, you can absolutely consent. You can have an open marriage. It's about what the individuals decide. They're in the relationship, and what they decide goes. So that's not adultery. If that everybody is not can adultery. do it with anybody. I've been in an open relationship for seven years. And my- Again, what are we hearing? We are hearing just literally the mere opinions of two people who, <clears throat> by the way, uh, both of them are 
guilty of breaking God's standards when it comes to adultery. They're both openly unrepentant adulterers. And so rather than coming to grips with the fact that they are a sinner in need of a Savior and they need to repent and receive the forgiveness of sins offered in Jesus' name to them because of what he's done on the cross, instead what we're going to do is we're going to play a little game. The game is called, let's just ask this question, what's with this marriage thing anyway? And and the way we've designed it isn't good. And we need to, we need to come up with a new, more relevant way of defining marriage and adultery in such a way that I don't have to be called a sinner. Marriage is stronger now than it's ever been. Is an open marriage adultery? Yes, it is, in the eyes of God. But you're talking about a religious marriage. Not all marriages are religious. I mean, people, people join that. together. Go, so yeah. if, but if, man, man didn't invent it. I, I believe God ordained it. Looking do you for think that what you think mm-hmm. applies to everybody? I do. Or- okay, great question. And see, that's the thing for Christians. <clears throat> We are proclaiming truth that is true for everybody. And by the way, he shouldn't have talked about his opinions. He should have said, Jesus Christ, who is God in human flesh, here's how he defined marriage. And by the fact that he's God, proved it by raising himself from the dead, he has the he basically has the authority to speak on this thing in a definitive way that is applicable to all of humanity. That's a better way of arguing it. Is it? You do. I do. I, I just can't imagine how you could say that. There, there are hundreds of churches just in the state of Texas because we all believe different things. And, and to suggest that one religion, that one group, one church would decide for everyone how something would work. That's Again, listen, fantastic, typical response from somebody who is an unrepentant sinner. Okay? It's absolutely in their mind ridiculous that that you know that there would be one religion that would claim that their truth is true to everybody but that's that's one of the scandals of the whole of christianity this is truth that applies to everybody so that the whole world may be silenced and held accountable to god the scriptures say Ah, oh, this is such a class. This is such a great study in these things. It's preposterous to me. Yeah, well, this has been. Yeah, it's preposterous to you because you um, are basically dead in your trespasses and sins. Ed, you need to tell her about the forgiveness of sins here. Set forth in Scripture, and for thousands and thousands of years, it's. Scripture it's as you worked. interpret it. Yeah. You feel a little intolerant. I, I accept. And we accept, and God accepts everybody, but I don't want to confuse acceptance with approval. Is, is Jenny going to hell? Uh, what? That's between her and God. People say this all the time. They go, how can a good God hurl people to hell? First of all, God never hurls anybody to hell. He doesn't. We choose. Okay, got to make something clear here. The scriptures are clear. God does hurl people into hell. <laughs> Oh. We, we choose our destiny. So the, the choice is up to you and me. And what about- Okay, Pelagianism. Oh, man. Just. Uh. about Noel Bitterman, who runs a website that helps people cheat? But, but what Jesus- about yeah. Noel? Okay. What about Noel? He is a married man with two kids and says he's not a yes. cheater. He just helps other people. There's no it. thou shalt not help other people cheat, is there? Okay, Cynthia, what if I. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to cry. Okay, we continue. What if I supplied 
all the bomb-making materials to terrorists worldwide. But I said, hey, I'm not a terrorist. More people have been killed in the name of religion than any other thing in the world. That's a lie, actually. More people have been killed in the name of atheism. Uh, Marxist atheism, uh, Noel, you're just absolutely historically dead wrong. And so it pains me to hear a man of the cloth speak in that way, because that's a terrible analogy. In the end... Oh, brother, get over it. <laughs> Notice he's the one on the righteous high horse, and he's the one running the website that helps people cheat. <sighs> in the end... People have affairs in the workplace. Would you like to hold all those workplaces accountable? If people have affairs, they should take a look in the mirror. They should yeah, look exactly. in the mirror. See, the thing is, is uh, no, God is the one who's going to hold everyone accountable. Right on that. As to how they failed their marriage. That's right. It's not because of my website. That's, That's right. That is not the right approach. You know what? Ultimately, you're hurting marriages. No doubt, adultery has its kicks, but it has some wicked Chuck Norris-esque kickbacks. And I deal... And I deal with the... Yeah, you don't want to get one of them Chuck Norris roundhouse kicks to the face as a result of adultery. Carnage, I deal, I deal with, with the broken homes. I deal with the children whose lives are up for grabs because someone is selfish enough to step outside the marriage and do what they want to do. I want to let you answer that. Wait a sec. <laughs> So, no. What I hear all the time is, why, gee, just leave your relationship. If it's not working for you, just leave. That's the selfish act. Walking away from your family to pursue your own sexual needs, that's the selfish act. And so what I... Isn't that... Isn't that what adultery is? A selfish act? <sighs> hear from my members all the time is they're in sexless relationships. They're not getting the physical intimacy they want. They've tried talking about it. And so rather than leave, they would rather do this. If you can't understand people in those positions, I don't really know what kind of pastor you are because they are suffering. They're fe <laughs> I don't know what kind of pastor you are. These are people who are suffering in, in, in sexless marriages. And Poor Ed, he, the look on his face right now. I paused it with him, the look on his face. I mean, it looks like he's been punched to the face. He's, and the thing is, is that he's not speaking prophetically. Repentance and the forgiveness of sins. We're just debating the law, and he, we're debating opinions about the law at this point. Feeling true pain. Loneliness is a painful thing. It is. It I've causes, been in that position. Right. Yeah. It causes people to act. There's a biological need to change your life when That's you're right. feeling lonely. And you know what's interesting? Ed, from so his website has just got 4.5 million people who are only, they're only lonely. They're, they're just lonely people, all 4.5 million of them. That's the only reason why they're looking, they're on a website that'll help them cheat. Doesn't that just, I mean, this man is an is absolute humanitarian. I mean, he should get the Nobel Prize. My perspective, infidelity can save your marriage. 56% of the men who cheat. It, uh, that was ridiculous. In, in my opinion, <clears throat> let me let me let me repeat that. In my opinion, he said, in my opinion, infidelity is a way of saving a marriage. <sighs> yeah, well, those opinions. Yeah, that that was basically his two cents. Probably worth less than that. Again, we're we're not. The Ten Commandments are not about human opinions, and this is what this Nightline Forum is. It's. 
is basically taking God's command and, and basically having a debate based upon our opinions of it. Say they're in happy marriages. They're miserable. They start cheating, and now they're happy. But Ed Young has his own statistics at the... Mm, I'll point this out. Notice, uh, he's basically saying that, you know, these people were miserable, now they're cheating, now they're happy. What's the standard there? Personal happiness. Should we be surprised when we find out that people who are sinful by nature are, quote, happy when they're sinning? No. And by the way, your happiness is not the standard of good in the universe. It is not your happiness does not determine what is right or what is wrong. You might absolutely be ridiculously happy, like waking up, hearing the birds chirping, the sun shining, and every all the colors of the rainbow just seem brighter when you're in the middle of the the you know the hormonal stage of your affair with that person at work. It's just so happy. <laughs> but that's not how you define good or evil. You can be absolutely happy in your sin. But you will not be happy when the King of Glory returns to judge the living and the dead and to judge them in righteousness you included. Ready. I, I read a study by the University of Chicago that said evangelical women are the most sexually satisfied women out there. <laughs> they also have... But that's good for me. Uh, see, what's in it for me? Business. They also have <laughs> They also have more orgasms. <laughs> see, there's a... Yeah, that's a positive thing. Than, than any other... And the other women. Yeah. And why would that be? Why? Because, because sex is not just sex. You can't park your soul outside the bedroom and go have sex. But we wondered what about Jonathan Doherty, who admits to being a recovering sex addict and says he cheated on his wife with many women over many years. Weren't you parking your soul somewhere else? I was uh, crushing my soul. I can't, you can't park your soul somewhere else. It goes wherever you go. And so I was, I was crushing myself emotionally. And, and by doing that, I was also crushing people around me. And, and I guess I would ask, I, I, my question for you, Noel, is uh, you have two children, right? Absolutely, yeah. What, what sort of values are you trying to teach them maybe about marriage and about fidelity and faithfulness? I mean, I'm curious. I'm in a monogamous marriage, and I'll be open and honest with my kids about the business that I operate, the businesses that I, I, I control, and I have zero to hide. No, but you have to say I'm putting bread on the table by encouraging other people to have affairs. I'm putting bread on the table by saying there's a human condition out there. It's called infidelity. And you know what? It's happening in a really destructive manner. You, you've said that if your wife were using the services of Ashley Madison, you would be very worried about I'd your marriage. I'd be devastated. But I wouldn't. You'd be devastated if your wife was using the website you run. Why? Why would you be devastated? 
<sighs> That's the thing. I mean, he can't even be consistent. We continue. I'd be blaming a website. I wouldn't even blame the person she was with, and ultimately, I don't even think I'd blame my wife. I would take a look in the mirror and say, how did I fail my relationship? How did I not understand what I wasn't delivering to my wife? Ashley Masson has witty 30-second TV commercials, but nobody's going to have an affair because they saw a 30-second TV commercial. They have Really? No one's... How do you know that? No one's going to have an affair because they saw a witty 30-second uh, commercial encouraging them to have an affair. Isn't that what you're selling? You're selling affairs. Oh, boy. Affairs because their life isn't working for them. Why advertise then? Because I'm in the business of making money. Yeah, we'll see. Well, there's... <laughs> That's an honest answer. Woo! All right. Uh, we're up on our second break. So when we come back, uh, we will continue with our... Um, Nightline, basically a Friday light version of Fighting for the Faith. Not, not too much left in the program, but we are up on our second break. Um, oh, wow. Interesting stuff. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can uh, ask to be my friend on Facebook or follow me on Twitter. My name there is Pirate Christian there on Twitter. Or look me up on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. We will be right back. Wow. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, pansy, turning photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Orthodox Christianity clearly teaches God's law, which condemns our sinful nature, and clearly proclaims the gospel of Christ's death and resurrection on our behalf to pay for our sinfulness. These truths of Holy Scripture are timeless and objective. However, a creeping fog known as the emergent church threatens to unravel these clear teachings by redefining the vocabulary and core beliefs of the Christian faith in terms of subjective personal feelings and experiences. That is why Pirate Christian Radio is proud to offer The Emergent Church, Undefining Christianity, a book by Bob DeWay that is widely regarded as the best book available on the emergent heresy. The book is $12.95 plus $4 shipping and handling, and all proceeds directly support the Christ-centered ministry of Pirate Christian Radio. Log on today to piratechristianradio.com 
and order your copy of The Emergent Church, Undefining Christianity. All right, we're back. You are listening to Fighting for the Faith, and we are basically doing a debrief on last night's Nightline. Are you born to cheat? Taking a look at it from a biblical perspective. Gotta admit, that uh, was quite a candid comment. I'm in the business of making money. Uh, you know, I tell you, you know, not that they would ever ask me to do such a thing. They wouldn't, <laughs> I'm not the kind of person that they want me to debate people like that. Um, but given the opportunity, uh, the thing I would go for, the jugular, man, repentance and the forgiveness of sins and proclaim Christ and his fr- and death on the cross for the sins of adulterers. You know, just uh, that would be fantastic to hear from Ed Young. But, you know, understand, you know, I might be being a little too hard on him uh, because it's, it's obvious they've cut out a bunch of stuff from this debate. And so, you know, maybe he talked about repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And it got caught out. I wonder if uh, the, the unedited version is uh, is available anywhere. Uh, anyway, uh, actually it is. I'm on their website now. Watch here. See the full adultery debate. I'll watch it over the weekend and see if uh, Ed does mention Jesus Christ and his crucifixion for sins. All right. We continue. With the, we're in the last segment now, part three of this uh uh, Nightline segment, Are You uh, Born to Cheat? And basically looking at it from a Christian perspective, looking at law and gospel, and not very thrilled with uh, with Ed Young's um, representation here, since he's supposedly representing all of us Christians. Um, he's only doing a mediocre job, and but it's very enlightening as far as uh, looking at how unbelievers think. We continue. I'm a teenager. I came from a place where I was raised by my brother at the age of 16 because one of my parents decided to cheat on the other one. I've had so much anger, so much rage. I've forgiven my parents. I love them. But seriously, you probably don't know what it feels like to be a child where parents are torn apart because of adultery. And I don't understand why you continue to encourage that. Thank you. Whoa. Okay. So uh, segment three of the Nightline uh, thing on Are You Born to Cheat, audience uh, question time. And this gal, whoa, she comes from a broken family and uh, basically talking about the destruction wreaked in her family as a result of adultery. Kind of proof that there's something wrong with it, don't you think? (laughs) Apparently she's not happy that her one of her parents cheated. So, again, happiness is not the standard of good. I feel very sad for you, and that is, you're absolutely right. That is a horrible situation to come from. I come from two loving parents who, after 33 years of marriage, did separate. But Jenny, let me just ask you, though, don't you have a daughter who lives in the household with her father, and she knows that you have a... Girlfriend. Well, she's 10 years old, and I don't know what she knows. I thought that she asked you whether or not three people could get married. She did, and I said that the law says they can't, but the, the, the law says we can't do a lot of things. Then a man who admitted committing One adultery stepped forward. 
Fortunately, seven years ago, Pastor Ed was doing a series on lust. The day before the series came out, my wife got a phone call that I was in an affair. It was Whoa, is this guy a pastor who was cheating? Wow, that's sad. It was the most belittling, put-down thing I could have ever have done to another human being. The damages from that will never end. Even though I get my son 50% of the time, there's still 50% of the time I miss. Thank you. His son, Greg, had something to say as well. Um, I don't think that how y'all say that it does help children that their parents stay together and they're cheating on each other, it doesn't help. Because I went through it, the child does not feel good about it. And the child would rather their parents not be together than for one just to sit there and be hurt. You have a lot of courage to stand up and talk. Thank you. Thank you. But before we went home, we had to ask directly the question we'd come to explore. Are we born to cheat or are we born for something else? I might have what you would consider an odd answer to this, considering everything that I've said tonight. Are we born to cheat? Yes. Yeah. Okay. This has got potential. Because we are born with a sin nature. Right on. Yes. Okay. Good, good, good. This is the, uh, the Doherty guy. But what I would say is that that does not mean we are destined to cheat. Uh, okay, well, that's correct, yes. And forgiveness of sins? Forgiveness of sins? Jenny, I don't think we're born to cheat, but I do think that we have crafted a society that helps us to cheat. I don't think adultery is a good idea, but I think that's about the lying. I'm not convinced it's about the sex. I think it's about the Yeah, lady, your opinions are pretty worthless. Lying. I guess my position is that maybe I would phrase it slightly differently, but it's it's not in our genetic makeup to be monogamous. But it, again, I think I agree with you know my friends over here that it's our choice. We're, we're natural born sinners, I should say. We all make mistakes. I do. We all. They're not mistakes, Ed. They're sins. We're natural born sinners, and we all sin, 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 sin. I'll do. However, God loves us and wants the best for our lives. If we call out to him. Oh, man. God loves us and wants the best for our lives. <sighs> Repentance and the forgiveness of sins. He will change our lives and he will change marriages. And if we call out to him, he'll change our lives. He doesn't promise that. He promises to forgive us and declare us to be righteous. Yeah, our lives might be changed, but it may not be for the better, Ed. Oh, sorry. The person I'm hardest on, Ed Young. <laughs> the, the, the pagans there, I, this is what we should expect from pagans. But the thing is, is the pastor's called to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And I believe he has the best in store for us. And with that, the formal part of our conversation ended, though people chatted late into the night all right so that was our that, sorry but that was our friday light version of fighting for the faith basically dealing with a singular topic on the issue of are we born to cheat what do we do we looked at what people were saying took a look at how pagans were behaving and, and being not surprised because that's exactly how pagans are to are they behave according to their sinful nature uh, hard on Ed Young because we didn't hear about the forgiveness of sins. We heard this uh, feel-good, seeker-driven gospel. God, uh, if you make a good decision, then God wants the best for your life. 
<sighs> I mean, it's it's right and wrong altogether. And and but what we didn't hear is repentance and the forgiveness of sins. So there you have it. If you'd like to uh, email me regarding anything you heard on our our deep our debrief on this uh, Nightline piece, I'd really love to hear from you. I considered it to be very educational, to say the least. Now, as we are approaching the end of our uh, of our Friday light version of Fighting for the Faith, a little shorter version dealing with one topic, give people the opportunity to catch up on their podcasting, if you would. Um, you can uh, you need to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio, and that means we depend on you to pay our production fees and our our bills and our and our electrical bills and stuff like that. So we continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you. You can support us a couple of ways. You can visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com, and click on one of our friendly yellow donate buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it along to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. All right, email me. Love to hear from you. Talk back at fightingforthefaith.com, or, you know, look me up on Facebook or follow me on Twitter. Until next week, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Amen.